Before the Civil War, the people were split on two opposing yet completely distinguished morals, the whites who wanted slavery and the abolitionists that wanted to free the slaves. These are their stories. So, the man of the minute is a northern abolitionist named John Brown. Brown was born in Torrington, Connecticut on May 9th in 1800. He soon moved to Ohio's Western Reserve, settling in a township where the main population was Native American. Brown's first exposure to slavery and its hard ways was in 1812. While residing in Michigan, Brown befriended a slave who was around his age. During his time there, his friend was treated harshly, sleeping in the cold with little clothing and cruel beating. This unruly experience turned Brown into a most determined abolitionist. Brown's later life included 20 children distributed among three wives. The first wife passed during his first childbirth. Another nine would be lost during their early child years, and another three passed during the peak of Brown's abolitionist acts. Brown raised a family that were devoted to abolishing slavery and the willingness to live with black people and to die for them. During Brown's adult life, he made more diverse plans to secure racial justice. Inspired by Nat Turner and sink violence in the pursuit of resolve, was not far-fetched, especially after Elijah P. Lovejoy, the editor of an anti-slavery newspaper, was murdered and his press destroyed. Brown's motives were intensified. He then announced, Here, before God, in the presence of these witnesses, from this time, I consecrate my life to the destruction of slavery. In November of 1847, Brown had schemed a very intricate plan to free slaves and even establish a black colony. Brown told his entire plan to Frederick Douglass, saying that the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia would lend the blacks a safe haven. The plotting of the insurrection became more serious in the years following. By 1854, he was selecting men for the raid. A major setback to his plans was the Kansas-Nebraska Act. This act allowed for western territories to have slaves. The following years consisted of havoc and destruction. John Brown then changed the view on Northern abolitionists by his murderous acts on May 23rd of 1856. Brown and others murdered five pro-slavery people of importance. This act brought John Brown to fame. In 1858, Brown drafted his utopian provisional constitution of ordinances for the people of the United States, a document he hoped would alter the constitution. Presented at an anti-slavery convention in Chatham, Ontario, in May 1858, the convention, as historian David Reynolds notes, it was organized by a white man, attended largely by blacks, and designed to raise a black army to trigger an African-American revolution that would wipe out slavery. Fast forwarding to December 20th, 1858, Brown and 20 others raided Verona County, County, Missouri. The task of taking 12 slaves to Canada after freeing them was at stake. After 82 days and a 1,000-mile trek, slaves were in Canada. July 3rd, 1859, Brown scouts Harper's Ferry. On July 4th, he rents Kennedy Farm and begins training his recruits for the raid. On October 15th, Brown told his men that the insurrection would begin the following day. The morning of October 16, 1859, the plan was relayed to his recruits. Eighteen of Brown's militia were tasked with the raid itself. This included the cutting of telegraph wires, securing of bridges, and taking of hostages. The rest would serve as a transport for the weapons. Brown told his men to consider that the lives of others are as dear to them as yours are to you. They set out at 8 a.m. 
It took them a little under a day to get there, so they arrived in the midday of October 17th. With little resistance and swift tactics, bloodshed was non-existent at first. After the initial task of cutting communications and the bridges seized Brown continued to the ferry. He captured the federal army and arsenal, doing this thinking that the slaves in the area would step up and help him revolt against slavery would prevail. The slaves did not do anything, and that was a leading factor in John Brown's plan. Even while escape was still an option, Brown stood firm, believing that the bees would begin to swarm, as he said. The downfall of the raid came when a train that involved the shooting of a black baggage handler was allowed to continue en route. The conductor stopped the train at the next station to the east wired the master of transportation in Baltimore that 150 abolitionists had taken Harper's Ferry intent on freeing slaves. Then the president of Baltimore and Ohio telegraphed the president and governor Wise of Virginia to inform them of the crisis at the ferry. All the white townsmen were arming themselves. The first casualty of the rebellion was Dangerfield Newby, a black man that was intent on freeing his wife. John Brown and his forces had to eventually take refuge in the engine room of the arsenal. The entire town had been awoken and were surrounding Brown and his men. Another 12 militia companies were also surrounding the fort. Robert E. Lee and his forces arrived around 11 p.m. After a formal request for a surrender, the engine house was breached. Brown was stabbed and many of his men were killed in the breaching. The hostages were freed and the remaining survivors were arrested. John Brown's raid proved unsuccessful. In his trial, he was found guilty of treason against the United States and was sentenced to be killed by hanging. According to sources, on his execution day, John Brown was smiling as though he had come to a calm peace with his fate. His hanging occurred at 11.15 a.m. on December 2, 1859. It happened in Charlestown, Virginia, which is actually now in West Virginia. He was 59 when he died. John Brown's attempt to start a rebellion was met with admiration from most people in the northern states. Being that most of them were opposed to slavery, they were for and supported the action the rebellion took. To quote one of our sources, while they recognized the raid itself as an act of a madman, some northerners admired his zeal and courage. They themselves would probably not have participated if given the opportunity, but they still backed John Brown. They revered him as a kind of hero who went and acted on what their feelings were about slavery. Their opinion on the raid was reflected clearly in how they reacted to his execution. Church bells rung out in certain places on the day when he was killed. Some people even wrote songs and made paintings in his honor. Ralph Waldo Emerson even said that John Brown would make the gallows as glorious as the cross. On the other hand, the South saw John Brown as a public enemy. He went against what helped make these people their money. They felt that they needed slavery to thrive in their lives, which were based around agriculture. To them, he represented what could be the opinion of many, that slavery was bad and that, if it, that it should be stopped, which eventually, as well as we all know, did happen. He was the embodiment of what they dreaded, which was people rebelling because they were against slavery, and even worse for the majority of the Southerners if the slaves themselves rebelled with the backing of the North. Newspapers in the South called the North John Brown sympathizers. The Southern politicians claimed that Abraham Lincoln supported John Brown, and ultimately, they feared to live under a government who saw John Brown as a hero or a martyr. I think John Brown and the raid on Harper's Ferry ultimately led to the Civil War because of the tensions it made arise. It made the argument of being either for or against slavery very apparent and real. This was, the only, this was only heightened by the fact that there was to be a presidential election in 1860. People in the South could not even think about the possibility of Abraham Lincoln getting reelected. The raid put people on two very different sides of the fence on the debate of slavery, where there was almost no middle ground. This divided the country and eventually brought it to war with itself. La 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 la.
Protecting the law, arresting these criminals, throwing them in jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, sweet little baby, throwing them in jail now. Oh, doing our part, doing our part. Oh, baby. Law and order. Oh, girl. Law and order.